0: He is, he, is he is risen. He is risen. Yay, yes. Today we're talking about the bread and butter of Christianity. I am actually going to just focus on the cross today. I am going to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Whew. Amen. Amen. In my last message, it's been a couple weeks, uh, things have been happening, but in the last message, I was talking about boundaries. And I got sidetracked because God was downloading a bunch of stuff for me that morning and the night before, particularly that morning, and I kind of got sidetracked on it. And I actually think it was for today. So you're going to hear a little bit of this twice uh, because I talked about it a couple weeks ago, if if you'll remember. And that was I was talking about the trees in the garden, and that message was about how there was a boundary. God made a boundary, and we were talking about boundaries and trying to introducing that idea. And God made a boundary before there was sin, before God, before Adam ate. Uh, the, the tree of good and evil uh, God made a boundary So we always, I always think of boundaries as like prisons Like they're fences They are there in order to contain sin In order to help with helping people stay righteous But there was no sin in the garden And he still made a boundary So I was talking about how boundaries are actually an act of love And as I was talking about that um, And as I had been studying these trees I realized something which kind of changed the way I thought about the trees. And that was that God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree of life, or sorry, if you eat the tree of good and of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now, that wasn't new. But the new part was they had life. They had life. They weren't going to die if they didn't eat the tree of good and evil, right? They had it already. They had it in God. They had it in the garden. But there was a tree of life that if they ate, they would have eternal life. So riddle me this, and this is what I was kind of, this is my tangent last time and now is central, is if they had life, why was there a tree of life? If they had life, they could have started with the tree of life, as far as I know. They could have actually gone to that tree. So they had life, they could have eaten the tree of life, they chose to be a tree, but they could have gone to that tree, but they already had life. So what was different about that life from the Life that they already had And I came to the conclusion That it was life outside of God And so that brought me then To, well they had life And they could have life through the tree Which was outside of God Or they could have life inside of God Because they already had it So that changed my perspective on the tree of good and evil They already had knowledge of good and evil They had that knowledge, though, inside the boundaries of God, inside the boundaries of what he was developing in them. And then when they ate the tree of good and evil, they had good and evil outside of God. It wasn't giving them the knowledge of good and evil. It was giving them their own independence in the knowledge of good and evil. And as we know, and as I've talked about earlier this year... The knowledge of good and evil that we have is sometimes really back, backwards, where we actually think the darkness is good. People actually believe the darkness is good. So that's what the tree of, of good and evil gave us. It gave us our own interpretation of the knowledge of good and evil outside of the boundaries of God. So they could have life outside of God, and he really didn't want that. He was like, you're going you, to be limited from that. But he did give us the ability to have... We, well, we took the, the ability to have the knowledge of good and evil outside of him. So that was the boundary, and Adam and Eve broke it. They stepped outside. And they had their own independence. And I was talking then about how... In the garden, we're in, we're in, we're in him. And everything is in him. Our life was in him in the garden. Our knowledge was in him in the garden. And how he stepped out, and and Adam realized he was naked. Adam and Eve realized that they were naked when they ate the fruit. They had been clothed before, they had been covered before with the glory of God, but they came out and they were no longer covered. They had to make their own coverings, they had to have their own knowledge of good and evil, they had to have their own understanding of everything. But before, they were just in God, they were in Him. When they stepped out of the garden, they stepped into the tomb. The tomb that I was building in the back. They stepped into death. They stepped into themselves, their own abilities. I can feel the tomb regularly. To understand the tomb, you need to understand sin. If you encounter sin, if you encounter the tomb... It's extremely painful. It's extremely painful. And we encounter it all the time. We have wounds in us and outside of us. We are, the effect of the tomb is the effect of sin. And sometimes the effect is physical. When we're, when we're beaten or just when we're sick. It's the effect of the tomb. It's the effect of death. It's the effect of sin. It's corruption. Most of the time, it's emotional. I would say the vast majority of the time, it's emotional and spiritual. But there is like a physical manifestation of sin in our bodies. Sin demands death, sin demands it. Every time there's sin, there's a demand. It's not just one demand. It's like every time that somebody steps out in sin, there's a demand of death, of corruption, of of sickness. It corrupts inside and it corrupts out. And we kind of swim in it in this world. We don't even realize it's like a fish in water. It's like there's this corruption. There's this like... There's this death in this earth because Adam and Eve broke that boundary and stepped outside into their own knowledge. And so many people in this world are still walking in their own knowledge of good and evil, in their own knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. And that's not the garden's definition of what's right and wrong, it's not God's definition of good and evil, it's the trees, it's their own definition. And every time we encounter that, when we encounter something outside of the garden, which is everywhere, it demands pain. And you can feel the pain inside of yourself when you go after something that's not of God. Or when somebody, goes after, somebody else goes after something that's not of God and you're in the way. And you can feel the impact. You can feel the impact of something that's out of the garden. And it just hurts. It causes this wound. One person who experienced the tomb in a very real way was Jonah. In Jonah 2 5 and 6, and I'll read it, maybe I'll just give a little bit of background in case you don't know who Jonah is. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament who went and delivered God's messages. And he didn't want to deliver one, so he ran. And this is what happened. Well, he had his own definition. Oh, this fits. I didn't think of this. He had his own definition of what was good and what was bad. And God wanted him to go and preach, and he didn't think that was a good idea. And that demanded death. It demanded the pit. Corruption. And I'll start there with the pit. Jonah 2, 5, and 6. The waters closed over. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Verse six: "At the roots of the mountain, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. He went down into the water. He was in the pit. He was experiencing death. And then it goes on to say, Yet you brought my, up my life from the pit. And this word pit means destruction, ditch, grave. Jonah was put into the water, and it all closed in around him. The sin that he had, that he had gone after, the good that he had gone after, that was outside of the garden, that was outside of God, pushed him down into the grave. Now, when we talk about Jonah, the most kind of, the the biblical kind of symbolism around Jonah is that Jonah is Jesus. And Jesus even kind of referred to it that way in Matthew 12, verse 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, I mean, Jesus referenced himself as being Jonah. So I want to acknowledge that I know that, because I want to go a little bit of a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) Not against that, because <laughs> that's Jesus who just said that. So I'm not going against that. Um, but there's a difference between Jonah and Jesus, and and you can see that difference in the story as well. Because when Jesus went into the grave, he didn't need a fish. When Jesus, when Jonah, when Jesus went into the grave, it it wasn't because of his sin. When Jonah went into the grave, when Jonah went into the water, it was because of his own sin. He was pushed into that water. Now, Jesus didn't have that. So that's where the kind of, I mean, there's a definite symbolism in the grave for three days, all that stuff. But he was a, he was not Jesus, right? Jesus still was coming. So he had his own sin. He had, he was actually in the grave because of himself. And that's not Jesus. Jesus. Does that feel okay now that I... Yeah, okay, good, thank you. Not going against Jesus. <laughs> okay, so then, he was in the grave because of his, own, of his own sin, and the Father prepared the fish. Now, I always thought of the fish as a curse. I don't know about you, but I just didn't think about it that much, and I thought of the fish as a curse. I thought, oh my goodness, if you go against what God wants, he's going to swallow you up with a fish. Uh, if you go against what God wants... You have the depths and the weeds waiting for you that's that's what happens you get pushed into the grave and that's not god doing that that's sin sin pushes you down into the grave sin demands corruption it demands death we need to pass into the depths of corruption because of our sin if you think that you don't have to go into death because you have christ I think you have it a little wrong and you'll have don't leave right now because there's a (laughs) i think you have it a little bit wrong because everybody has to pass into the depths don't leave everybody has to pass through the depths and When Jonah was in the depths, he cried out to God. He prayed, in Jonah 2 it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, out of the belly of the grave I cried. He was in death, and he cried out. And that was when everything changed. It was in that moment that everything shifted. (coughs) And that was when he was swallowed by a fish. He was in the depths of the grave and God sent a fish. The fish was not a curse. The fish saved him. A fish is very different from us. A fish can live in the depths. It's unaffected. The fish... I don't know, like, it... When... Okay, I'm just going to continue with the story. Sorry. When Jonah... When Jonah came out of the fish, some would say that he was marked. There's no real evidence that he was marked by it. I personally don't think you can survive inside of a fish. I did a little bit of research on it last night. I don't think you can survive inside of a fish. Um, Not by natural means. Not for three days. That's just not by any fish anyway that's alive right now, it seems. Maybe if there was a different fish, I don't think it's naturally possible It's not naturally possible for Jesus To be in the tomb To be To go down And be in death for three days And then come back out It's not naturally possible However, I do believe that Jonah was marked I do believe that he looked different when he came out And you might say Oh, this, the, you know, it bleached his skin white It wouldn't have bleached his skin It would have dissolved his body. It would have completely destroyed him. It would have killed him and then digested him. Uh, I'm not sure how complete it would have been in three days. Depends if he would have been eaten whole, I'm guessing, but what kind of acid. It's not just a bleaching that we're talking about in the natural. But I do believe he was marked. I have no evidence for it other than the fact that Jesus was marked. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think it's necessary for Jesus to have holes in him, in his side. It's already a miracle that he survived that. He could have had that healed, but he still had marks. He had, had marks on his body, and I believe he had marks in, his, in himself. He was marked. And I believe, I don't, I don't think it's necessary that Jonah looked different, when he came out of the fish. I don't think that's critical. I don't think it's necessary. But I believe it personally. Because Jesus came out marked. And Jonah is a sign of Jesus. And he came, so I believe he was marked. I don't know how he was physically marked, but I know that he was marked inside. I know he was emotionally and spiritually marked from being in the fish, from being in the grave. He was a different man when he came out. And I believe he probably had a sign on his body. Just like Jesus did. He had signs of death on his body. Jesus has signs of death on his body. They're not pretty. We have crosses everywhere, but they weren't gold and they didn't hang around your neck. It's not pretty to have signs of death on your body. But it is so powerful to have a sign of death on your body. And be alive. To have death written in you, in your spirit, in your soul, in your faith, and on your skin, and be alive. And I believe that Jonah was marked. And when Jonah came out, the mark that you could see in his spirit was that he was 100% obedient. Jesus said, "Go to Nineveh," and, and then it doesn't even say he replied. He just got up and went. Very different. There's also another sign of his mark. He went in and preached to Nineveh, and the city turned. The leadership in the city turned. The whole city's in sackcloth and mourning and repentance. that would have been a good sermon and you know what it's like five words the sermon it's like god's gonna get you everybody turns i'm sure he said a few more words well i'm not sure but i'm guessing maybe he even talked about the fish i don't know easter is important because for us to know god we need to go into death we need to understand what that means When Adam and Eve when Adam and Eve came out of the garden they exited through a tree they ate the tree of good and evil the knowledge of good and evil and they left the garden they came outside of Christ they were on their own for them to come back into the garden they had to eat of another tree it wasn't the tree of life in the garden but it is the tree of life in Jesus it's the life See, there's a big difference. I, actually, I used to think those trees were kind of the same. Like Jesus was hang, just you know Jesus was hanging from the cross, and it talks about the curse to hang from a tree. The cross is a tree. He's a fruit. He's hanging from a tree. We have communion. we eat him. It's like right there. We're eating a tree when we eat, we eat a, we're eating a fruit again. Eat my body. Eat this fruit. We have to choose it. It's in the garden. It's actually outside the garden. But the tree of life in the garden is very different than Jesus' tree of life because the tree of life in the garden is life outside of Christ. And Jesus' fruit, when we eat of him from his tree, we're actually taking life back inside of Christ. We're coming back into the garden through him. That's what that fruit does. Now, I've been saying, cryptically, That we actually all need to pass into death In order to get into heaven Which kind of goes against the way we normally think about um, About Christianity We don't have to do that, do we? I believe we do When Jesus Sorry, when Jonah passed into death He was inside Of a savior He was inside of something that protected him from the depths of sin. He was in death, actually. He was already there when he prayed. He was already... Jonah had the seaweed wrapped around his head. And if you want to picture a person who's outside of Christ, just picture the depths of the ocean and having seaweed wrapped around your head. They're already in death. If you're going to survive the depths of the grave which is what sin demands, you need to be in something that can protect you from it. And just as Jonah passed through the depths in a fish, when he cried out, he said, Lord, save me. And he was swallowed by a fish. When we cry out to God, and we ask and we say, Lord, save me. Jesus, save me. I believe we go back into the garden. In a sense, we are actually stepping into the body of Christ. He is in us, but we are actually in him. Now, we can say it different ways, and I'm okay with all the different ways that you want to say it. I I really don't mind. But this is one way, and I think it's a cool way to say it, because it goes so consistently with stepping out of the garden, going back into the garden, being in the tomb, being out of the tomb, and being in, in the story of Jonah, of being in this protective vessel as you go through the depths of the, of the consequences of sin. So you could say, I'm covered in the blood. Well, what are you saying if you're covered in the blood? I'm protected because I've got the blood of Jesus. What are you saying? You might as well step right into him. Because that's what's happening you are in the spirit in jesus as he goes through the grave and takes your consequences we always think of a jury and a judge because that's what we've got over in in western culture we have the jury and it's like he goes to prison and we don't have to go to prison i think it's actually a little bit more biblical to say that we are in him as he takes the consequences for us that's a little bit of a closer picture i don't believe it's probably the I don't know how we're going to understand this in heaven, what's actually happening. But that's a closer picture to how he described it for us. We are in him and he is in us. We are reborn. When you pass into baptism, you go into the depths. You have to go into the depths of the sea in order to come out. And the depths stay there and you come out clean. You go into the water. You go into death and it washes you. It washes you because the sin stays down there. When Jonah came out, the sin was still in the weeds. And when he came out, because he was protected, the sin stayed there. But he was still marked. And this is what Easter's about. You come out of the water and you are marked with death. This person knows what they're talking about. They know what sin is. This person has been born in the earth, and they have a history, and yet, when I look at this Christian, they are alive. You are marked, because you have been in death. You have been in this world. You have been swimming on the earth. And yet, you are marked with life. You have the... You have the wounds of this world on you, and yet you are alive. How can you have life on this earth when you have so many people out of the garden deciding deciding what's right and what's wrong, making their own decisions about what's good and what's bad, independent of God? How can you have life? It's because you're in a fish We are in the results of sin in this world. I don't want to picture it any other way because I see it every day. I feel it all the time. I feel people bump up against me. I feel the effects of it. And how do I survive? I survive it because I'm in Christ. And the more that I'm in Christ, the easier it is to be in the depths. The more that I'm in Christ the easier it is to change the atmosphere of the world around you. And the more that you're in Christ, the more you are marked like him. Because that man has the marks of death. He's actually been through this world. Cyrus has been through stuff. And yet Cyrus is alive. He's still alive. And the more that I'm in him, the more alive I am. And the more his power can work through me. You know, it's just incredible. Like the biggest miracle, you want to talk about big miracles? The biggest miracle is to walk through this earth alive. Alive. And I don't mean like heart beating alive. I mean alive, like Christ alive. Like in full faith. In full faith. I want to bear the marks of death on my body and shine with the light of Christ in my spirit. That's exactly what happened on the cross. He bore the marks of death and was still alive. We are called to swim in the seas of sin and overcome it. We're called not to be changed by this world, but to transform it. We're called to be here and be transformative because we're in Christ. We can't do it on our own. We have to be in him completely. And if we try to do it on our own, we're just eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil all over again. And we're saying, I think I know what's good. I'm going to do it my way. Hmm. So my prayer for us as Maple Crest is that we can walk in him. That no matter what comes and it's going to come. I'm not saying that as a curse. I'm saying that because God wants us to live in life, in the presence of the Satan. He wants us to be right next to Satan and be alive. It's like, look at them. Look at my kids. I'm so proud of them. Look at them alive in the presence of death. Look at what my kids can do with my spirit, in them. You only have to do it for a while then we're released. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to live with the signs of death on our spirits and our bodies and be fully alive because we're walking in him and not in our own light. And then we can go to the world and be powerful. We can change a city with a five-word sermon. That is my prayer. My prayer is that we can change Winnipeg with a five-word sermon. It takes three days to walk across Nineveh. How long does it take to walk across Winnipeg? Maybe a day, two days? I want to be able to walk into Winnipeg and be so alive that the city changes. I want to be so alive that the city changes. I want us to be so alive that us being here, just being here, changes this city. Lord, you have made it clear to me that I am called to speak your word. And... My prayer is that the words that come out of this house are transformative. That the words that come out of this house are not by our own knowledge of good and evil, but by yours completely. Help us to be in you fully, fully protected. Lord, we come to you now and we say, Lord, we need you. Give us your spirit. Give us the power that comes through just being in you so that we can change everything.